This podcast is informed by lived experience and professional practice, but it is not a substitute for individual medical or mental health advice. If this episode prompts you to seek further help, and if you live in Victoria, please contact us via our hub service. Details are in our show notes. If you're listening outside of Victoria, please get in touch with the Butterfly Foundation. Hi everyone, my name is Beth, and I used to have anorexia. So when I was unwell, recovery didn't seem very real to me. I didn't think that I was the kind of person who was able to get there, and so I never really tried. I was very happy to stay in the seemingly safe space of my eating disorder. I thought it was a much safer bet to stick to what I knew, rather than trying to get better and possibly failing. Looking back, I can understand why I felt this way. It's really scary to attempt recovery because it doesn't offer you the certainty an eating disorder might. But gosh, it's been worth it. There's been so much life I've been able to experience because I made the decision to let go of my eating disorder. So many memories I've been able to make that weren't overshadowed by the fears my eating disorder created. My only regret is that I didn't start recovery sooner. But I'm going to wind it back a bit to where it all really began. So I was diagnosed when I was 16 years old, but I had troubles with food in my body ever since I was a child. I remember first beginning to try and control my weight when I was about 12, and I often dabbled in disordered eating behaviours throughout my adolescence. Throughout this time, I also began to struggle with my mental health. You know, I've always been quite a driven person, and I often took failure to heart. And as I got older, this really amplified, and I began to feel a lot more anxious and a lot sadder. I also had a pretty complicated relationship with my family, and there was no one I felt truly connected with. As time went on, my self-esteem began to lower, and I spun through cycles of crash diets to try and make myself feel better. But it never really worked. And then 2017 came along. And in that year, my family life pretty much fell to pieces. Nothing was ever certain, and at times I often felt afraid or confused. The events of this year began to coalesce with my already lowering self-esteem and manifested in the idea to go on another diet. Now this was something I knew well. As I said before, I had experienced my fair share of diets in the past that often left me feeling weak and powerless. But this one felt different. I developed a laser-sharp focus, totally honing in on my eating disorder, which meant that the chaos that was surrounding me began to fade away. I was in my own world now, and my one companion was my eating disorder. It felt comforting. And so while everything else in my life felt as though it was in total limbo, my food wasn't. Now, it didn't take long for people to catch on, and so I was eventually sent to the GP's office, although this appointment didn't really go anywhere, and so another couple of months later, I was admitted to the Royal Children's Hospital, where I received my diagnosis. After being discharged, I was made to complete family-based treatment as an outpatient, where my dad would make and supervise my meals each day. In the beginning, I was responding well, and I felt inspired to get better. But 
for multiple reasons, this didn't last very long. And I'd like to highlight just a few of the challenges I personally faced throughout the course of my treatment. So firstly, due to my mum's mental health struggles, it was only my dad who could participate. This meant that he had to quit his job to supervise my meals each day, leaving us with no income. Looking back, this became a massive source of guilt that I carried with me for a while. I felt as though I was to blame for my family's newfound financial struggles and having my dad be my sole caretaker essentially definitely put a strain on our relationship. Secondly, I struggled with the lack of autonomy throughout treatment. You know, I entered the system as a late adolescent, which was a time when I was looking to establish a sense of independence, but my treatment felt very counterintuitive to this. Throughout it, I felt very voiceless. It was as though I didn't really have a say in how I was being treated. And in a world that was already feeling increasingly out of my control, this had quite a negative impact on my sense of self. And lastly, I had trouble letting go of my eating disorder identity. This was particularly amplified by my first hospital admission, where I was exposed to a lot I hadn't been to before. In particular, I was with other people with the same diagnosis as myself. And the more I thought about it, the more I began to question, was I unwell? Yes. But was I the most unwell? No. And eventually this became a flaw that I needed to remedy. These three factors really combined to produce a rather antagonistic relationship between the mental health system and myself. I did eventually stop doing family-based treatment, with my team's focus instead shifting to some of my other mental health challenges. So for a while, my eating disorder was kind of put to the side to be focused on at maybe an easier moment, I guess. By the time I entered year 12, I was really a shell of myself. I wasn't attending school either due to being in hospital or because I was too afraid to be seen by anyone. I had isolated myself from my friends and family and I was probably speaking to doctors more than anyone else in my life. During this time, I was also being refused treatment because I lacked a drive for recovery, which left me in this really liminal zone where I was constantly being told I was unwell yet I was given no sense of hope that I could actually get better. Eventually, I turned 18 and my care was transferred to the adult system. It was this period that I reached what felt like rock bottom. It felt like within only a couple of years, I had managed to really lose everything. And by this point, recovery seemed impossible. But strangely enough, this is where things began to change. And it really started during what would be my last hospital admission. It was here that I made the decision to get better. Although this decision wasn't this big eureka moment I had anticipated. You know, I wasn't motivated to get my life back and take on my eating disorder. No, it, it wasn't anywhere near as obvious as that. It was simply a mere contemplation that maybe I can get better. So, you know, I had this new mindset, but I still didn't know how to move forward especially because I wasn't ready yet to let go of my eating disorder. But what I've learnt through recovery is that more than one thing can be true at any given time. So on one hand, I wanted to get better and move forward with my life. And on the other hand, I still wanted my eating disorder. You know, it was my safety net after all. And fortunately, I didn't have to choose between these two options at first. 
Within those first few months, I was pursuing recovery-based actions without the intent of recovering fully. This mindset was useful because I think it alleviated the pressure I find can accompany recovery. You know, to a healthy person, recovery signifies positive things like being healthy and regaining life and reconnecting with friends. But to someone with an eating disorder, I don't think it's so clear-cut. At least when I was unwell, recovery signified a defeat and a loss of control. So rather than aiming to get me better, I was simply aiming to get to a better place than where I was. So how did I do this? Well, I met with my case manager who proposed I use a fee hierarchy. So how it worked was I would first identify one of my eating disorder fears, which I would place at the top of my hierarchy. And after that, I would identify the steps I could take to work my way up to facing that fear. As I continued to use this model throughout my recovery, my progress became exponential. I found that I started to challenge goals with a lot more confidence and I wasn't having to take as many steps to tackle new fears. There were a couple key reasons I found this approach helpful. Firstly, I'm a very structured and goal-oriented person and so having a very clear outline of exactly what I needed to do to get over a fear gave me a sense of control that I think had been missing from my treatment in the past. And it also allowed me to reflect on the accomplishments I had already done, which really propelled me to continue. And secondly, it helped to inject a sense of autonomy within my treatment. As I flagged previously, I felt as though my time during family-based treatment made me feel rather powerless. I was being told what I had to do and how I had to go about doing it. Whereas this time, it was more collaborative. So while my team created their goals for me, I could kind of map out my journey to reaching them, which made me feel really empowered. You know, for the first time, I was recovering on my own terms. And just as a side note, I think this approach was particularly helpful for me when I returned home. You know, when we're inpatient or in treatment for our eating disorders in general, we're often having someone else monitor our eating disorder behaviours for us, which means... When we go home and we're alone and we're confronted with all these eating disorder thoughts and behaviours, we don't really have the skill set or even, I guess, the confidence to tackle them ourselves. But I found that since I was already used to using my fee hierarchy, when I was returning home, it was a lot easier to firstly identify my eating disorder behaviours, but also work out the ways I can challenge them. And I wasn't having to use other people's assistance as much to do this anymore. A second important element to my recovery was my studying. Throughout my admission, I was still completing year 12, and I found that studying kept me distracted enough to tolerate my recovery actions. You know, I wasn't able to spend hours ruminating over my body anymore, because I had to spend that time studying. And as I continued, I found that my education became a massive source of motivation for my recovery. So much so, it really allowed me to shift my mindset to pursuing recovery fully. Although it wasn't for me anymore, it was for my future self and all the things she might want to do and achieve. I think that resting the burden of my recovery on my education was really helpful because, you know, when I was having those days when I just wasn't feeling great about myself, I could redirect my focus elsewhere. Soon enough, I was discharged and I'll admit I was afraid. You know, I was returning to a place that had brought me a decent amount of distress over the years, 
and I questioned how returning home would impact my recovery. My sister was also struggling with an eating disorder at the time, so it really just felt as though the world was sending me signals to give up. Though I must say in hindsight, I think going home and experiencing the difficulties that that encompasses was ultimately really beneficial for my recovery. I think that for a lot of us, eating disorders can be coping mechanisms for the discomfort or the pain of going through life. And so if we only recover when things are easy, you know, when we're not experiencing that discomfort, it's going to be a lot more tempting to fall back on the eating disorder when things get tough again. So by recovering through the turmoil, I could really show myself I didn't need my eating disorder anymore. I found other ways to cope and I became stronger for it. Of course, it was difficult, extremely difficult even, but, you know, I guess it wouldn't be recovery if it wasn't. Throughout this time, I was also fortunately completing a day patient program, which I found really helpful, and I was still relying a lot on my dad's support. You know, we often ate every meal together, and while sometimes, you know, I did feel a little childish for doing so, I realised it's what I needed at the time. And looking back, I'm, I'm very grateful that I had his support during this time. As things progressed, I eventually reached a point where I started feeling a little uneasy in my recovery. I think that navigating the recovery space when I was no longer at my worst was challenging. It felt like I was plagued with imposter syndrome and I would question whether I was ever really sick. These thoughts never really went away, at least not until I was recovered. But over time, I stopped trying to challenge them and instead tried to redirect my focus to something else. You know, I didn't want to be sick anymore. I wanted recovery. I wanted to be better. And this was totally antithetical to that desire to be sick. So that's what I had to keep reminding myself of. I don't want to be unwell anymore. I don't want the life that that brings. Although I will say it didn't always work, and while I never anticipated any relapses, they came in waves. In these moments, I found my relapse prevention plan really helpful. In particular, it identified key people I could rely on to help me identify the early signs of a relapse. In my case, it was my dad, my dietitian, and my therapist. Although I will say it definitely didn't cover all bases. I've really learnt that eating disorders like to shapeshift. You know, they'll do this to try and find a way to stay in your life, even if it's in a more subtle way. So sometimes my relapses took forms that I didn't realise were actually rooted in my eating disorder. In my mind, the behaviours I was engaging in were totally healthy things to do, which meant that it sometimes took quite a bit of convincing for me to realise that what I was experiencing was in fact a relapse. You know, I did get there eventually, but it was quite a frustrating process with a lot of trial and error. And lastly, throughout my recovery, I had to go on this perilous journey of finding myself outside of my eating disorder. You know, I think for a long time, my sense of self was so tied up to how unwell I was, I didn't know if I had any worth without my illness. I think this was really worsened by the fact that during my eating disorder, I pretty much gave up on life. Because I was so disengaged, I ended up losing a lot. You know, a lot of friends and a lot of opportunities to really explore who I was. And so for a while, I wanted to hide from life because I was afraid that if I confronted it, I might be disappointed. However, the only way 
I could really get over this fear was by facing it head on. I had to face the outside world I'd been avoiding for so long, which meant not only facing the good things like school and work and reconnecting with friends, but also the painful things like rejection and loss and I guess the general discomforts and uncertainties of life. Now, was this as bad as I had anticipated? Uh, Well, yes, at times. But also at times, it was fantastic. And I slowly started to find myself again. And the more I learned about myself, the less connected I felt to my eating disorder. It was a gradual process and definitely not linear. But if I hadn't faced those difficult moments, I wouldn't have been able to experience the amazing ones, and I probably wouldn't have recovered. So after all that, I got to where I am now. And nowadays, I do see myself as fully recovered, although my definition of recovery has certainly changed over time. Currently, you know, I still do have eating disorder thoughts, and they really like to make themselves known when I'm already feeling low or stressed, but I'm not afraid of them anymore. I won't act on them because I know where that'll lead me, and I'm okay with this for now. And as for what I've been able to do with my life since recovery, well, I've recently started a new degree. I'm currently a psychology major, and I'm hoping to eventually do my master's in clinical psych. I also get to volunteer at research labs where I can really use my passion to hopefully do some good. And I've been able to travel to eight countries this year, experiencing lots of great memories that I don't think I would have been able to even dream of when I was unwell. Reflecting on my accomplishments and experiences since recovering has really solidified my confidence in the process. I once thought that without my eating disorder, my life would be meaningless. But that's such a lie that our eating disorder is only telling us to keep us stuck. I'm so glad that I made the decision to get better. You know, there weren't ever really any guarantees throughout this process, but sticking with it allowed me to get to where I am now. And as of now, I'm very grateful that I don't have to miss out on any more meaningful moments just because I'm afraid of what my eating disorder will tell me. We acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast is recorded, the Boon and Woi people of the Kulin Nation, and pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging.